advisory to those who are not animal lovers, open to new ideas, or interested in integrative holistic healthcare for your pets, and believe that prescription diet is the best food for your pet. This podcast may offend your sensibilities. Have you ever felt frustrated and helpless after listening and doing everything your vet told you to do but it only made your sick pet worse and not get any better? That's me in 2008 with my first adopted cat, Meow. I did everything the vet told me to do and I realised she wasn't getting any better and only worse. So I decided to look into alternative health options and was drawn to the stories of holistic pet service entrepreneurs and their transformative journey, overcoming obstacles, chasing their passion and creating a movement that has caused a ripple effect of positive change in the lives of their clients and pets around the world. Join me as I share the raw, inspiring journeys of these amazing entrepreneurs, their successes and failures. My name is Amrys Wang, and this is The Raw Entrepreneur. Welcome to The Raw Entrepreneurs, Season 1, Episode 10. This is Part 2 of Peter Ciancarelli's interview. Peter is a super dad who didn't give up and is doing all that he can to share his knowledge with other pet parents in need. This is Peter's journey as a pet health and longevity coach. You're a real inspiration. Uh, one thing that uh, when I found you on Facebook and I followed you, I was really amazed um, at how you really went out to, to find solutions for, for Ellie. Because um, I think you're lucky because in the United States, at least you get to be, you're able to find holistic vets, you know, um, whereas in Singapore, unfortunately, we don't have any. We only have conventional vets. Um, they might offer maybe like acupuncture, um, uh, bone therapy, you know. But yeah. when we're talking about the raw food diet as part of a you know foundational nutritional part, no one does that. And every single vet clinic that I've seen in Singapore, they all sell prescription diet, and they'll tell you you know um, annual vaccinations and everything like that. So, you know, hopefully with, with this podcast you're doing now and, you know, I'm super thrilled to be your first guest and thank you for having me on here. Um, but hopefully with this podcast, you can spread more awareness. And, you know, I, I am, I work with dogs all over the world and I, I you know, I'm working with uh, a woman and her husband and her little dog or her, her dog Maya in the Philippines and their, their vet is, I believe, is conventional as well. And we, Dr. Roman and I turned them on to ozone therapy. And I was actually on doing FaceTime with, with them on the, on the phone and helping them with Maya in the ozone treatment. That's which amazing. Was, yeah. <laughs> because now like so many other dogs are going to benefit from that, that yes. one dog, you know, yeah. and, and it's like, you can do the same thing. You can spread the, just never give up. Just keep spreading yeah. the word about these. Yeah. So, I mean, like for me, you know, I want to share everyone, educate everyone, especially those in Singapore who've never heard of ozone therapy, even put pills, you know, um, fecal matter. Um, they, people have never heard of it. And, you know, uh, when I started to read up about it in the U S, um, I managed to find, um, animal biome, the company, and I ordered some put pills for, for my dog and my cats to try. And 
I found some really good, you know, um, improvements even for kidney, kidney uh, end stage where their quality of life actually improved, you know. But when I tell that to say fellow rescuers here or, you know, fellow adopters here, dog owners, cat owners, they're like, poop, you know, they, they have this look of horror. <laughs> Because, you know, they always say, like, my dog eats the poop outside. I'm like, well, that, that that's usually means something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dogs can be, most dogs eat processed dry food, which is full of sugar, mm. as you know. So their poops are big and voluminous and they're stinky. Right. And they taste damn good. It's like, it becomes addicting, you know, so. It's the so, MSG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. You know, it, it they become addicted, but really their their gut has an imbalance, and they're trying to remedy that. They're trying to to help their guts inside by eating the poop. It's a natural, instinctive behavior. But we need to be redirecting them to a healthy poop. You know, dogs that have not been over vaccinated, haven't been given you know pesticides. There are no chemicals inside or outside the home. Um, they have a healthy microbiome. They're eating fresh, organic, raw, species-appropriate foods you know, or, or just cooked, you know, that'd be better than processed. So, um, you know, dogs that are thriving, not just surviving, and we want them to eat that dog's poop, mm-hmm. you know? And so, you know, I'm lucky that I have a vet that, you know, my Dr. Roman pioneered that therapy and she sends her dog's poop all over the, cl- all over the country to other vet clinics and teaches them about ozone therapy and microbiome restorative therapy. And, the biggest impact she feels that ozone therapy is going to have uh, in veterinary medicine is, and, and, can, and could be in human medicine too, is ozone therapy, you're doing ozone gas rectally to reduce the biofilm, like that sticky stuff you wake up in your mouth when you wake up in the morning, yeah. that's biofilm and that's going to be in the gut. So by doing the ozone gas rectally before the fecal transplant, you're going to reduce that biofilm in the new bacteria, the new biome is going to have a better chance to stick and hold on to and, and, and make that their home. So in a, in a nutshell, that's, you know, what it is. But I, I find that fascinating because, um, I mean, I might be wrong, but as far as I know, no one's doing ozone therapy in Singapore at all. You know, but when I was reading up about it, I was really interested and curious to know, you know, uh, to learn more. So every time when you have your videos, you know, of your ozone water that you drink, everything, you know, it's, it's just something like, gosh, <laughs> very fascinating stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, for, and, you know, initially it's an investment, you know, but like, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know what the conversion rate is over there, the currency conversion, but it was about a thousand dollars, you know, American year for me to, to buy an ozone machine, but it wasn't, it was not the basic package. I bought a couple of bells and whistles, so I can give it to her multiple ways. I can do rectal, vaginal, ear. I can do ozone water. Um, you know, I can, I can, um, I think that's it. But you know, different attachment pieces, obviously it was, it became more expensive, but you know, it paid for itself in the first month. And if you're doing a rescue, if you have a rescue and you, and you, you know, you can just use it. There's so many applications for it. Um, it would be an amazing thing for you to have in your home for you and your own animals and any animals like strays or rescues that you take in or foster. And then you can be um, teaching vets about that, you know, and you can be showing them what you're doing. And, you know, Dr. Roman even has 
uh, veterinary training courses on it for vets to take to, to want to do it. So, and, and, you know, she, she flies all over the world talking about ozone and microbiome. So um, we need to, we need to drive the change, be the change. So I'm really, really looking well, forward to I'm, I think I'm going to be, um, she's going to be on my list of to, to interview next. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I'll, put, I'll put you in touch with her. Awesome. Um, so you said Ali's about 11 years old now. And you said yeah. when she started, um, she was really anxious and, and um, with anxiety. Has that, have you seen an improvement in her behavior since? Oh like, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A thousand percent. I mean, she's a little whiny here and there and she's a little high strung. There are moments like right now, she's just really, she's really mellow, you know, but, mm. but she's also a little, a little high from the, mar the marijuana that she's on. Um, <laughs> another, another crazy thing that I do, we can talk about, but um, yeah, she's just, she's just a, one of those go, go, go dogs. Like, you know, if, if, if I want to go for a hike, she's right there with me. Even if she's tired, she'll go because I'm there. And, uh, but yeah, in the beginning, she was, she, her anxiety and her insecurity and, 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 and uh, nervousness was just uh, awful. Um, and I really do attribute most of that to uh, being spayed so young and not, when you, when you take the ovaries and the uterus out, when you remove those sex, homo, sex hormone secreting tissues, it can affect everything from your brain to your bones. Yeah. Uh, and it really can shift your whole body in a negative way. And plus the overuse of antibiotics. She was getting antibiotics like, like Skittles, like candy. Every, at least every three weeks to a month, she was on a round of metronidazole for a, at least a year. Mm. Um, and so that, you know, I just, I believe that's what did it. And then the fecal transplant um, was amazing. And then obviously rebalancing her hormones. I've seen a huge improvement. She used to be so stressed out in the car um, you know, more so on the highway, um, you know, and I'm not the best driver. So, but you know, she would, uh, she would just be panting so hard her chest, her heart's going to come out of her chest. It's really, it was really stressful for me to watch. And I didn't like taking her in the car. It would just be a nightmare. So once I did the hormone replacement therapy with her and the fecal transplant and all that, she falls asleep in the car now. It's amazing. Um, it's no, her really, a lot of her triggers, are no more. The one thing that I really admire that you guys have is CBD. Mm. You know, you have access to CBD over there uh, for medical use. In Singapore, it's still considered um, an offense and, you know, uh, punishable by death. Um, so we can't, we can't use CBD uh, marijuana here because that, that is considered marijuana, cannabis. Um, Thailand, I think, is the nearest country now that um, does medical marijuana. But... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, everywhere no. else in Asia, no. Another, so, so another, um, another really quickly, another thing that I do with Alice. So if, I, if I'm using my oven or um, she hears a truck outside backing up and it's going beep, 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 or if I, if I press the, the buttons on my oven and it makes the beep noise, it sends her into a full-blown panic, anxiety attack. Um, she, can't, she can't deal with it at all so like she'll go in the corner and shake and just like again like pant heavily she'll go into the bathroom she's even tried to if i have my main if i have my door open then there's the screen door she'll take her head and she'll try to push out and get out of the house 
So it's no joke. So, so, but what I do is I also do homeopathy. So I use, I have a homeopath and I can tell you about her too. And I, I will give Allie a a, a remedy or two for her, for those uh, stress response to noises and phobias and uh, thunderstorms. But the, the, the reason I think the homeopath, the homeopathy works so well for her um, is because I gave her a new healthy biome and I'm doing the ozone therapy. I do think that she can better, um, I think she can respond with, with the homeopathic remedy because um, I'm taking care of her mitochondria and her cells and giving her, flooding her body with more oxygen and better able to utilize the thing, the nutrition, the things that I'm doing, she's absorbing and taking them in and utilizing them better. So I think that, you know, I don't think it's in studies, but I've talked to Dr. Roman, I've talked to Julianne Lee about, you know, can homeopathic remedies work better if you, you know, after you do the microbiome restorative therapy, if you're doing ozone therapy. So, you know, rather than do the, uh, the cannabis, since it's not really, you do have access with King Harvest, but like you said, you might not be comfortable with doing that, but focus on ozone, you know, get that ozone machine, save up for it, get it for you and your animals and your rescues and the strays and the fosters and, and focus on ozone and do some homeopathy, you know, and, 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 you know, nutrition, really strong nutrition, glandular therapy, any animal that gets spayed or neutered, you know, you can get a remedy made from feline uh, parts or, you know, dog testicles or dog ovaries. And it's a very inexpensive, but really powerful way to remind the body. Um, and you give it once a month for, a, you know, the rest of the, their lives, you know, so if you have, if you're a rescue and, and, and cost is a concern, which it is for most rescues, then that's probably a really amazing uh, thing to have in your toolbox. Yeah. I found that um, with a lot of the rescue work that we do, um, especially when we talk about the animal's anxious behavior, you know, and they say like, oh, we've gone through dog behavior training and stuff, but, you know, it doesn't seem to help. And usually I think, um, I'll always ask them, have you looked at their diet? And most times they, you know, they don't. And why are you feeding them? Oh, we're feeding them dry food, you know, or, you know, the the usual. So I will usually tell them like, um, have you considered, you know, just adding a bit of fresh food to the, to the meal, you know? And slowly, you know, encourage them to like, uh, are you open to the idea of raw food diet? Because I've actually seen improvements within my own rescues as well. So, you know, I actually do believe that, you know, it all begins with the gut. Everything, you know, our mental health, our, the stress levels, everything, it's all in the microbiome. And I think that fascinated me a lot because uh, I myself, I was sick for quite a while, many years ago. And I didn't, I did not respect my body because I used to smoke a lot. I drank, you know, led a very unhealthy lifestyle and that sort of like screwed me up. And then I started to have a lot of um, gynecological problems as well. So, you know, I went through a period where um, I used TCM, traditional Chinese medicine to uh, heal my body. So that requires a lot of detoxing, herbs, and um, looking at the food energetics as well. And, you know, exercising and a lot of it also is your mental mind, you know, like your, your attitude. Like, you know, if you're a very negative person, you're actually bringing in a lot of negative energy as well. So that, that will also affect your microbiome, you know? Um, yeah. So what I found fascinating was, you know, uh, 
as I was helping my myself and my animals, you know, it you could see the correlation that, you know, um, diet, food is the foundation. Your your microbiome is the basics, you know. And when you get your gut health well, um, slowly when you build up on everything else, it works, you know. Uh, you can see improvements and then you can do other modalities like you were talking about. And for you, as you said, um, the, you know, the poop, the, you know, the fecal transplant and the ozone, that was more, the most important, I think, for you felt for Ellie's improvement. And then from there, you moved on to uh, homeo, homeopathy, you know, yeah. to improve. I did, I did a lot of things that, you know, I, some people like to do, uh, go slow, do one thing at a time. And I was just like, everything at once, let's just throw everything we have at her. And was that the right thing to do? I don't know. But, you know, I, I just feel like I'm, I'm really lucky because I, you know, I feel like we've escaped so much. You know, she had severe IBD, gut problems. We remedied that. Cancer, we've healed her from cancer. Um, you know, the hormone Im imbalance, we were managing her hormones very perfectly. Um, I just feel like we are so lucky. And those are, those are three major health problems that she shouldn't, she, she shouldn't be alive. Let's just put it that way. She shouldn't be alive. Um, because of her health issues, number one, she should have died from cancer. I, if I didn't catch it that day, would I have, would I have been able to save her? Would it, would it have gone this big? And then it would have been too late or spread. Um, and also, I just feel like a lot of people would have surrendered her because she's just, she was just too much to handle, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but she's my greatest teacher. She's taught me a lot, you know, as a has, has she, um, in your, you know, in your pursuit to, to help her has, you know, feeding her raw food and, and all that diet, has it changed how you eat and live your, your life? Not, not a hundred percent, but I'm getting there every day. I'm making changes. I'm drinking ozone water. You know, I, I'm going to, from an Italian family. I grew up in an Italian family. I'm Italian. So my, you know, my mom, my grandmothers, they all, you know, when you come over, the first thing out of their mouth is, what can I get you to eat? You know, so they want to just, they want to fatten you up. Uh, that's a give... Chinese thing as well. <laughs> so all the, all the pasta, all the bread, all the, everything mm -hmm. like that, the sauces, everything. The, um, so, you know, it's hard to say no to that. And it's like my weakness, but you know, I don't think there's any such thing as the perfect diet. You know, you, you exercise well, you take care of your mind, you know, you, you know, proportions, moderation, you know, I try to eat healthy as much as I can, but at the same time, you got, I feel like you have to live too. Yeah. And, um, I guess I'm just lucky. I don't have any major, major health issues and hopefully it stays that way, but I'm trying uh, to do better every day. You know, like I, so I give Allie nuts in seeds. So like I'll give her almonds and walnuts and uh, Brazil nuts. Um, and when I'm giving her that I'll take some, I'll eat some myself. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. So that good. With COVID-19, um, are you in shelter in place over there where you are? No, not really. We have to practice the social distancing and uh, really should only be going out for emergencies. Like if we have no food and got to go to the grocery store and you got to keep your distance and you can wipe down the handlebars and um, really just try to stay at home as much as possible. All I'm doing, I, I live in the woods basically. So, you know, I'm, I'm working from home. I take Allie out for a nice walk in the woods. 
uh, early in the morning and then later in the afternoon. And that's pretty much all I do. I don't really go, I'm not really going anywhere. Did you, so. do you find it um, a challenge to buy food supplies for both Ali and yourself? At the um, moment? I, not really. I, I kind of, I still am, I've, I am not bulking up. I'm not hoarding anything. I'm not going out and buying a uh, 50 pack of toilet paper. Um, I'm just kind of, you know, I'm down to two rolls and I'm, I'm not, I'm not freaking out at all. I just, you know, okay. I'll find, I'll find toilet paper, but I know I'm not, uh, she's, she's getting, she's getting low on food, but I, I go to a farm down the road and they have a freezer full of meat and they're not going to go out of stock anytime soon. Um, so I, I feel totally fine about it. Oh, that's good. You know, for, for someone, well, with, uh, the COVID-19 going on, you look really, you actually look really chilled out. Like you don't, you don't seem, uh, you know, as stressed as uh, some people that, you know, when you on Facebook and they're all doom and gloom and stressing out, but you know, you, you seem to have a really good positive, um, attitude to everything. And that's very admirable. Thank you. Maybe it's the cannabis. (laughs) Oh, I wish I could order some, but unfortunately they don't allow it into Singapore at all. Uh, I've tried to order it and, uh, what they do is the minute they pick up the word, we can't, we can't. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, so I mean, to me, like, well, as much as I would like to try it, unfortunately, I can't. So, you know, we focus on the other modalities to see how yeah. we can help with the animals. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's not worth, not, not worth the death sentence. No, 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 definitely not. Um, a lot of dog owners out there, um, whom I know, who also do rescues as well, they have, you know, problems with their dogs and normally they always say that it's a behavioral issue but they never link it up to a gut health uh, microbiome issue and you know you sharing your story is really important because I think uh, a lot of people would not have done what you have done you know to get her where she is and she's 11 years old now you said yeah uh, that's that's really amazing and I've seen photos of her online and she looks really really good for her age you know uh, yeah she's very blessed <laughs> very very blessed thank you so much and I you know every time I'm on a walk with her and I see her on off leash in the woods and she like she prances she like she moves so smoothly for a dog her age I don't like I don't think she's you know gonna I think she's gonna be around another six to seven years hopefully um and, you know with everything that she's been through I think if I got that I would that would be a miracle to me you know that would yeah. be amazing. What an ending that would be to her story and her legacy. Uh, and, you know, like I would just say for everyone, you know, it's very similar to kids. You know, kids have, if the kids have behavioral issues, if they have anxiety, you put them on pills, put them on Xanax and just band-aid it, right? Don't, uh, you know, it's, it's not healthcare, it's sick care. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's, there's amazing, amazing things going on in, in, uh, with science and everything like that. It's really, it's really a fascinating time. And we should all be continually learning and, and staying open-minded. Um, you know, I'm not against using pharmaceuticals and drugs. I just, you know, I, you know, I try to, it was my, it was my first, it was my go-to for many, many, many years. And look where it got us. Mm. And now trying to reverse that damage is, is not possible. Um, but the because da- the damage is done. But look at what I have done. And, you know, going forward, I'm going to use non-toxic modalities first and it's called the art of medicine. You know, like 
you got your non-toxic, your homeopathic, your herbs, your diet. And then over here you have your, your, your drugs and your opioids and things like that, you know, or the conventional side. So I'm a fan of both. I think that using an integrative approach is really, is really yeah. great. You know? So. so, yeah. So, I mean, you know, considering that Ali was what, um, you only started help what, from age five. Was that about, about right? When she was about five that you sort of changed her diet and everything? Yeah. After she got cancer, that's when yeah. I was like, so that's she, about right. she, yeah. yeah. And I brought her to Tufts university and, and, um, you know, they said, we don't know what's wrong. Bring her back if she gets worse. And, you know, I brought her home and I didn't know what to do at that point. And I was doing my research and trying to figure things out. And we had, we had no clue where to go at that point. And she had, she would go to the emergency room, you know, like once a month, you know, not pretty frequently for the same, same stuff, yeah. you know, like the GI issues, it could be bloody diarrhea on a Sunday night when the vets closed and, you know, bring her to the ER. Um, so it, it's been a, it's been quite a, it's quite some time since then, but that's when I noticed it. So when you started giving her the, the fecal transplant, the, the poops, yeah. um, doggy poops, um, how long did you how long did you see an improvement you know the change it's hard for me to say that because i don't feel like she's changed much like overall as a dog mm -hmm. um and i've i've done so much with her like support wise from a health standpoint but also like training is we're also big into training and like behavior modification and all that so you know she's 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 a really mellow dog but then you know, she can also be a really high, strong, anxious dog at the same time. So she's like, this is her, this is her most of the day, you know, and when we're on a hike or we're on a walk, you know, or, you know, or she's a, she's a completely different dog. She comes to life. That's her element. You know, she's, that's what she's. She's with nature. At. Yeah, exactly. So um, I don't know if the fecal transplant really, I think overall I've seen a, a, I have a much more balanced dog, mm -hmm. uh, energy wise, and uh, like they're vibrational beings, like as Isla, Doctor Isla Fishburn says, and you know I think she's a much more balanced dog because of the fecal transplant, the oz, you know, the ozone, and things like that. So would you, you know, with um, pet owners who have a similar, you know, situation that you were in with Ali, would you say that it takes, you know, it won't happen overnight? The improvements that you see, it will take time but you have to use all these other modalities to work together to, to see an improvement, you know, uh, and you have to be patient with it. Cause it won't, happen, yeah. it won't happen like, you know, like one week later or one month later, you know, uh, Absolutely. you know, if, if I was in, if I was in Singapore and I had a dog that was, you know, really sick, you know, maybe really bad gut health or allergies can be traced to gut health or leaky gut, gut trauma of some sort, you know, I, this is not medical advice. This is just what I would do personally. Yeah. I would find, I would find somebody who has really healthy animals that feeds a raw diet, an organic fresh food diet that minimally vaccinates to, or, you know, no, no vaccinations or minimal, um, no pesticides, no chemicals, you know, really healthy, vital, thriving dogs. And I would see if I could take, get their poop and I would feed it to my dog you know, just as an experiment, because, you know, my vet, Dr. Roman, she, every time her dogs poop, she takes a sample and she has it tested. It's a very safe 
protocol. You know, and she's not just, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She's testing it for parasites and worms and all that, not just willy-nilly feeding it, giving it to a client's dogs because they're sick and we need to make sure that what we're giving them is truly safe. Mm-hmm. But if I didn't have that option and I was, you know, my dog was given up for by the vets and she was dying, I would do, I would try something like that, mm. you know? Um, and I would also go in the woods whenever I'm in the woods on a, on a hike or a walk with her. And when it's, if I know that the area is natural and not been sprayed with pesticides and, and uh, it's, it's healthy soil, I take some of the soil and I'd feed it to her, you know, maybe from a, like a broken tree stump and I'd take some dirt and I'd give it to her. Or from the ground, I go off the trail, off the path and feed her some, some healthy soil. And I might even jar it. I might sprinkle a little bit over food every day. That's nature's probiotic. So that's an ancestral uh, thing. So when puppies were, you know, in the wild, when they'd be, they'd be born in these dirt dens, according to Steve Brown, and, you know, their, their prey, the ancestral diet, like the raw meaty bones, it was covered in dirt. Right. You know, they, they were getting that bacteria from the dirt in their mouths, on their paws, licking their paws, you know, it's all over their body parts. Um, and that was, you know, but today puppies are spaded eight weeks old. They're, you know, kept in a sterile environment. Some people don't even allow their puppies to go outside <clears throat> to go pee or poop because they're oh, afraid. Yeah. yeah. They're afraid they'll get parvo or, or parvo or distemper or something. And, um, they have pee pads and potty pads inside the house and they use chemicals to spray and clean. And it's just, you know, assaulting their immune system, you know? So it's just, we're so disconnected yeah, yeah. that we really go back to nature. Yeah. Well, in Singapore, because we are um, a very small Island, I think our population is about, I think 5.7 million and uh, uh, most of us live in urban um, high-rise apartments. So, you know, for us, bringing the dog out, you know, like my dog, she only goes to the toilet um, downstairs when we go for walks. So she's outdoor trained. Um, I tried to, you know, newspaper train her because that's what the rescue told me when I, when I got her. She said, oh, she's, uh, you know, she knows how to use the paper indoors. Just keep her cooked up you know, um, for a week in the house and she'll be fine, break her in. But after like 48 hours, I was panicking because she wasn't going to the toilet. So I just went, you know, screw it. I'm just going to bring her down. And, you know, she just wanted to go outside and use the loo there. So that's what we've been doing uh, since she was a pup with me. But there are a lot of people who own um, toy dogs, you know, the miniature dogs. Um, yeah. And living in, a, in an apartment in Singapore, a lot of people, especially Asians, they have a, a thing about germs. Asian people, you know, they, you know they, they are very particular about cleanliness. And so, you know, they don't want their dog to go out. So usually they'll toilet train with pee pads and all that. And, and there are some people who don't even bring their dogs outside for walks. And even when they do bring them out for walks, they make them wear those doggy shoes to go on grass because they said, oh, uh, my dog's allergic to grass and the vet said she shouldn't walk on grass. So she has to wear dog shoes, you know, oh, man. <laughs> things Whoa. like that, things like that, you know, and, and I, yeah. then I asked them, what are you feeding? Well, you know, the, whatever the vet tells me, so it's usually prescription diet. Aye. Yeah. And you Aye. know, Aye. vaccinations every year, antibiotics, steroids. That was what my dog was on in, in, initially as well. When I used to bring her to the vet because she had a uh, Dermodex mange as a pup. 
and yeah. you know, uh, so her gut was really bad and the skin was really bad, and she was a very anxious dog. So, you know, all the vet told me, you know, give her antibiotics, give her steroids. So she was on this vicious cycle, like you were saying, you know, on and off for months and months and months. And uh, she was on uh, Interceptor, uh, Heartworm. Uh, I gave her her, well, she had a puppy shorts when she came to me. And then I gave her her first year uh, booster shots because, you know, I didn't know then. Um, but I realized, you know, there was something wrong because when the vet told me, Maybe you shouldn't let her walk on grass because that's probably what she's allergic to. And, you know, she's a mongrel. She's about 20 kilos. Um, I don't know what's that in pounds. She's about 20 kilograms. And so, you know, she's sort of like small midsize. And they said, maybe you should put doggy shoes on her. And I looked at my vet and I said, she's going to chew it off. <laughs> you know, it, something, you know, it hit me that, you know, um, there's some disconnect going on because animals shouldn't be like that, you right. know. You know, uh, you shouldn't be, you know, putting on dog shoes and, you know, uh, not letting them go on grass and they have to have medication every single time when there's something wrong. I, I just thought there was something, you know, not right. So, you know, um, I switched her from her dry food because she was on Royal Canin when, when, when she came. She was on Royal Canin dry food. So I stopped that and I went, okay, we'll, we'll try um, Zewi Peak wet canned food first as a transition and boy did she have like massive diarrhea during that one two weeks you know as i was transitioning her and yeah. then i switched her to raw food um you know and that cleared up and that helped but it you know it still didn't help with her skin issues and everything else and you know i tried uh you know like neem shampoo and you know supplements and stuff but it didn't really help and then like you say, you're doing different modalities and throwing it all together. You just throw everything, right? Just to try it out. Um, that's when I found out um, the essential oils from Dr. Melissa Shelton. So I tried yeah. using those. And I, that was the, the, the magic trifecta for me. You know, the raw food, the supplements, and plus cleaning up the environment. So my home, you know, we stopped using bleach, you know, Dettol. Um, I think it's called... Uh, pine yeah. soul or something in, in, in the US over there yep. and you know we started going green so you know vinegar baking soda powder water um, very clean green products for cleaning as well and that made a huge you know uh, difference you know so it's not just one thing as you were saying that, that would improve the, the animal's health it's a lot of it's multifaceted there are a lot of modalities you have to layer it and then you'll see a gradual improvement you know over time and that's why i found yeah, the dog yeah and i didn't realize how important it was to keep your home green and clean until i uh, had to house sit for my neighbor's dog and when i stayed at her house and she's a normal person she uses whatever the supermarket cleaning stuff you know and um within one day my skin flared up you know, and I've got eczema and stuff. And I was just, you know, I just realized like something's wrong. My hands, my hands having a really bad reaction. And I realized it was, you know, the cleaning soap that she's using and everything. So, you know, and I went, ah, okay. So I stopped having a shower there and using her stuff. I went back home, had my shower, but I bring my own um, soap and detergent to, to, to use at her house. And I realized that, you know, um, even her washing powder and everything, because she was using... Um, the laundry powder and uh, those dryer sheets and stuff like that. Oh, that was really bad for, for, my, for, for my health. And I, you know, it clicked on me that, you know, like 
your environment plays a huge role. In, did she in, change? Did she ever change those products? Well, I did. I did tell her, and she no, sort no, of she's not listening for the first time. Well, no, she. I mean, she. You know, I told her. I said, you know, I'm. I'm having a reaction. You might want to, you know, change your soap. So I. I left my 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 hand soaps there, and she's using the brand, but she never changed the detergent and stuff. You know, it, again, it's the mindset because some people are just yeah. so used to that. You know, right. oh, I like my laundry to smell really nice. Yeah, and and it be, it becomes almost like, well, I've bought this product for you know the past two years, and I like it. I'm just gonna. Keep, I'm not gonna change it. I don't want to change it. Um, people get really attached to that and, you know, the thought of, you know, that what they have been doing for so long may have been maybe detrimental to their health. Like the, the chronic low dose exposures over time, not every day, it yeah. won't kill you yeah. on the first day, but over time it can really do a lot of damage internally. Um, and I've been green for a couple of years now, two or three years, and I make my own cleaners. I, you know, I, I don't have any candles in the house. I just crack open a window. That's mm. the best right there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I use, like you said, I wash my dishes by hand or I use a natural, I make my own natural dish detergent or laundry detergent. It's really, really easy. And, um, you know, but I've noticed that when I go to like, you know, a friend's house, you know, and they're using the, the, the chemical cleaners, it, it affects me so bad. Like, I'm very sensitive to it all of a sudden, like, I wasn't that sensitive before, but now that I've been away from it, yeah, my, you know, instant, instant headache. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I, you know, it, it really, it really struck me when I was house sitting that, you know, wow, um, that green environment really, you know, plays a huge part. And can you imagine like we're human beings and we're much bigger than our dogs and our cats and our animals, they sleep on the floor and, you know, they're on our laundry and everything. And, you know, how much closer they are to all the chemical exposure than we are because we actually wear clothes. You know, they don't. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just something that, you know, on, on, on my journey to help my animals, um, you know, learning all these things, uh, really, really, you know, it's, a, it's so many light bulb moments on, you know, gosh, the conventional way is so wrong. Whatever we've been taught to do, um, it's, you know, it's just bad for us, not just for the animals, but for ourselves. Well, it's, you know? it's, it's, yeah, it's bad medicine. It's reactive medicine. You know, your dog has diarrhea. You know, I remember, you know, a lot of times, like when I, if Allie had diarrhea and I'd bring her to the vet and they'd give her the antibiotic, even if they didn't think she needed it because it would make me happy, it gives the client something to do. You know, like they come looking for some, for help and you, and their job is to make that go away, like quick. So the antibiotic, you know, she's not eating appetite stimulant pill or she's nauseous here's a pill for nausea you know or you know she's got allergies because she's got goopy eyes in the spring here's a pill for that so it just becomes like that's that's their toolbox and you know I didn't realize that I, I thought it was making me happy at the time I was I thought I was doing what I was what I should have been doing for her you know mm. and I'm, I'm just, I'm just glad that I woke up at all. You know, I'm glad that we made it out alive and we, we can take what we've learned and share it. Yeah. You know, it, the fact that I'm on online with somebody from Singapore right now is amazing. You know, never would I thought that this dog <laughs> would have been the reason for all this. 
Oh no, yeah, no, she's definitely the reason. I think you know, it was just you. I wouldn't be interested, you know. But it's it's, it's Ali, um, her story, <laughs> and, and you know, um, what you've done for her. It it really moved me, and you know, uh, just wanting to share uh, with a lot of, especially Singaporeans here, because to be honest, um, a lot of people are still in the conventional mindset. Um, what what I do, what I believe in. I'm a I'm a minority over here, you know, um, and I want to you know let people know here, even the vets in Singapore know that hello, there are you know better ways of solving issues, you know, they're non toxic with better results, you know, and unfortunately our conventional vets here, um, they're still in that mindset where you know raw food is most of them will say no raw food very dangerous, don't feed it, you know that's what. Well, I think you I think you're being given an opportunity here now to change that. And don't look at it just focus on you know not trying to change it in a day or a month or a year but just constant constant education and exposure your podcast, you know, invite invite your vet colleagues, you know, your veterinarians, send them emails to links with your podcast to watch it, to listen to it. Um get them on the phone with Dr. Roman and other vets and, and uh, just education and exposure in a respectful way and people obviously with all the respect and kindness, I think that um, being like anti-vet or, you know, vet bashing is not going to get us anywhere. Not that you're doing that, but just in general, um, you know, I, I even called my old vet years, like six or seven years later, eight years later. And I told him what I did, what I did with Allie. And the conversation, the phone call didn't go well, but, <laughs> you know, but, um, I never, I never got like upset over it. You know, he, he thought I was accusing him of killing Allie and I wasn't at all. I was just, you know, he was, we were talking about fecal transplants and I, I thought that I told him that how it really helped her. And he said, well, I did it. I did it. I did the fecal transplant as well, but he went through, uh, a vet hospital and their donor dogs are eating cyanide hills. Right. Versus, so it really does come back to, he just, you know, it's a mindset issue. Yeah. Um, he, he sold his two practices, his two clinics to Banfield Vet Hospital, which is a big chain, you know, corporation mm. here. So, you know, some people just are not reachable. Yeah. And you got you to realize that and not let it affect you that it's just not their time. And, hope that one day they will wake up and, and realize that things are not right. And, you know, we yeah. need to. Yeah. My, my, my current vet that I go to for my rescues and, you know, uh, for when I have to do my medical testing and diagnosis, um, she's open to the idea of raw. Uh, she does um, acupuncture and stuff. So she's, she's got a, a bit of the traditional Chinese uh, medicine training in her. So she's yeah. quite open to the idea of raw food. And she knows that I feed raw, so she's completely fine with that. And whenever I get links, you know, on articles, I, I will send it to her. In fact, uh, yeah. you know Rodney Habib's The Dog Cancer Series, the DVD? Yeah. Well, I actually gave her a, a set copy. So I don't know whether she's watched it or not, but I said, you know, this is for you and for the clinic, you know. Um, please watch it because I think it's amazing. <laughs> how, long ago, how long ago did you do that? Um, gosh, when did he, when did he first... Do the it's been, a couple, been a couple years, I think. Yeah, when it first came out, and the very the very first set of DVDs that came out, 
you should reach out to her and, and ask if she got a chance to watch it. Yeah, I should. I yeah. will. I will. I think, I think it's just starting starting the conversation. You know, mm-hmm. share. If you have success, share it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and like to me, you know, Allie, Allie is an experiment. You know, the microbiome, the ozone, the, the cannabis, like I'm doing, you know, I know we talked to, we talked about Jake Perry and he fed his cats coffee and, and red wine. I'm doing that too. You know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, recommend anybody do that just willy nilly. Like, you know, it, mm-hmm. it can go, it can go, it could go good or it could go bad. So it's, it's not something I would recommend doing, but um, you know, it's anecdotal is what I'm trying to say. Allie's, Allie's uh, success and healing is anecdotal. You know, it's not a study and, you know, I'm not going to wait around for any studies to come out to know if, if I want to try something, I'll, I'll try it as long as I do my research and I talk to my vet about it and supportive, which is a big thing. But, you know, I think that just um, the anecdotal evidence for, for me means everything. And for you who's had success as well with your animal's health and after a tragedy, like that, that success that you've had is also anecdotal and it means everything to you, but it might not mean anything to somebody else because it's not their animal, you know? So it's still really important and needs to be shared is what I'm trying to say. So if anyone wanted to reach out to you to get some advice on um, canine health and nutrition, uh, they can contact you with your Facebook yeah. yeah. So, so I want to. I want to just kind of. Probably should have said this in the beginning, but mm. just a disclaimer that I'm not a vet, and mm. I, it's illegal to give medical advice, and I can only share my yeah, experience yeah. with that, yeah. and what and what I and what I would do personally if it were my own dog. Just friendly advice, like we're having a coffee, you know, and we're just we're chit chatting, chit chatting as friends. Um, and but yeah, come to my group, Ali's Canine Cancer Crew. And canine is spelt out, not the, the word. Um, and, you know, make a post, introduce yourself, and would love to have you and meet you. Okay. Well, thank you, Peter, uh, for staying up and then uh, taking the time to talk to me. Uh, I hope I didn't disappoint you too much. <laughs> I'm very nervous because, you know. Oh, fun. Uh, I love doing this. <laughs> no, but I, I really respect what the work that you do. And I just wanted to thank you personally because... Um, watching you, um, I'm actually really shy. I'm an introvert. So, you know, uh, watching you and stalking you on Facebook and, 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 and your group as well, seeing what you've done, uh, it's really inspirational. And, you know, the things that you do makes me think about, you know, hmm, you know, um, how can I, how can I, you know, try this out in Singapore or, you know, uh, can I find a way of doing that? You know, uh, so the ozone treatment is something that I, I'm really keen on. But, you know, again, it's the, the economics and the, the logistics of everything because um, as far as I know, no one's doing ozone therapy in Singapore. As you should be the I first. Know, I will try. And then I'll let you know. <laughs> yep. okay. well, all right. You have a wonderful night. Okay. Have a good rest. And thank you, Ellie. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Oh, all right. Have all a good right. night. Okay. Good night. Bye. Thank you for listening to part two of Peter's story. Look out for part two of Terry Swanson's interview next week. Wow, I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. 
Thank you, and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone.